another episode of the Unit Macquarie Financial Podcast, made by investors for investors. Welcome to the Financial Podcast by Unit Macquarie. I'm your host, Addison Wright, and today we're doing an update on the markets and a chat with another member of the Unit Macquarie team, Hader Ali. Hader, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me, Addison. Right. Look forward to the future podcasts as well. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great just sort of doing these um, kind of chats and, and going on about the market like we've done on the Unit Macquarie Facebook page. Now, it's an interesting market, um, as you'd all be aware of. The S&P 500 is up 38% since its lows in the first wave of COVID-19 in March, but only 1.5% um, up in the last 30 days. The ASX 200 is up 30% from the first wave lows and is up also sort of similar levels of 1.7% for the month. It's pretty crazy, um, crazy times for the markets. And uh, we're going to go over a couple of things today um, that's sort of resonating with us um, in sort of the commodities markets and even some of the stories outside in the global markets in Europe. Uh, starting things off, um, hey, I want to talk a little bit about um, the dot-com bubble. You know, it's, yep. a, it's kind of a big thing. And we've spoke, spoken about this when it comes to ETFs, passive investing kind of thing. You know, it's just crazy now that we see these um, sort of equities at these levels, um, you know, 20 PE and, and things like that. What are your thoughts on sort of um, on sort of this market right now? Yeah, well, I mean, it's gotten crazy. As you said, it's 30, 38% since the lows in March. It's mm. just rallied and rallied and rallied and there was no even real volatility. It just moved up consistently, yeah. and day by day, you saw green after green after green. And it's finally reached a little bit of a trading range right now. Yeah, uh, and, and the momentum sort of running out as well. And I, I think I think it's sort of I guess fears on the second wave. I mean, you only have to look a couple of hours south to Victoria to see what I'm talking about. And you know, yeah, even exactly. in the US, the US is just nuts. They're almost reaching up to fifty thousand cases a day. Well, I just read as well. Donald Trump's cancelled a rally on the back of this. Uh, wow! Yeah, wow! And that's a so, big, that's big coming from him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he, exactly, we'll see. Uh, in Brazil's just gone insane as well. Mm, yeah, another another big market. Yeah, yeah with the buffets. Brazil is the second second largest of COVID cases. Um, um, from recently, it's just it's just nuts. And you know the valuations are just crazy. Um, buy now, pay later companies like Split It are valuing it. 600 times 600 times like you know i don't I mean even afterpay is not even that yeah. bad right now to be honest i mean we used to we used to say afterpay is an expensive stock yeah afterpay is conservative now it's cheap for its, for its industry it's, it certainly is uh, and the other one is the rise of bankrupt companies as well yeah yeah and and oh it's just nuts and i i was just um speaking before the show um uh and sort of news to our, our listeners you know i think i don't know if it's a record but as you know, in my tenure of watching the market for the last, you know, three years, um, I've never seen stocks go up by a thousand percent. And there has been two days simultaneously of two specific uh, specific stocks going up over a thousand percent a day, and that is crazy. I'm talking about um, ESK, the ticker on the ASX, which went up over almost one and a half thousand percent, a ten bagger. In uh, one day, I believe, with a deal with a Samsung, and another one today, um, ATH, the ticker on the ASX, going up almost two thousand percent during the sort of the trading day, and it's just crazy that you can have these kind of speculative, you know, stocks in this market. It's just 
you know, nuts. And, and you know, it's all pump and dump, really, um, sort of. But, well, yeah, exactly. A 3,000, I mean, no matter how good a small cap is and no matter yeah. how good a deal is, 3,000% is a, it's a big jump and it's, it's very hard to justify how you can have such a jump. Oh, it's, it's definitely speculation is in full force for young traders on the market. And I think that's just evidence of that. Um, now, I guess, let's um, go on to one of our first sort of key stories. Um, you said you want to talk about Wirecard um, earlier. Do you want to do you want to talk to talk to me a little bit about that? A big story. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a big story coming out of Germany, especially yeah. after a. It, it, it's a adds to the line of corporate scandals now coming out of Germany. With mm. we got Volkswagen with their emissions, true, uh, true. Monsanto and Bayer with the Roundup, Deutsche yeah. Bank scandal after scandal since the GFC, and now Wirecard, uh, where they've now found two billion dollars missing uh, in cash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you lose $2 billion just like that? Yeah. You, you have to wonder. It's a company that's been operating since 1999, uh, 26 yeah, wow. countries, 56 different languages. And uh, yeah, $2 billion and the company's just filed for insolvency all of a sudden. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty nice that you can kind of make this kind of mistake. I haven't seen anything of this scale. I mean, I've seen some smaller things, um, you know, maybe $100 million missing on the balance sheet or some accounting tricks to maybe boost the profits in of, you know, small cap Australian equities, but nothing like this. It's pretty, pretty big story. Um, and I think, yeah. the, I think one thing to highlight there as well, it's that the auditors, Ernest and Young, there's now, there's mm. going to be issues there because they haven't even, uh, they haven't looked at bank statements for three years now. So well, I didn't even how an that. auditor can miss the bank statements too will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know Ernest and Young was um, one of the key auditors for this and that's pretty um, sort of a big issue. I mean, it possibly hurt even credibility, you know, if I was dealing with a client of, of that size and sort of making those kind of mistakes. Um, I guess... So now, yeah, so now Sapphire filing for insolvency as well. The yeah. interesting to know, it's another insane. one of the Rob, Robin, uh, Robin Hood uh, Rally stocks joining yeah. the list with Hertz. It's uh, actually gone up to in, up on last uh, last trade. It was up 21% as I can see really? here. So yeah, people are buying into a company that's had $2 billion stolen and has filed for insolvency. That's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, wind, I'm, wind up. I'm just looking at the levels now. I hadn't actually looked at the share price, and you know, hit lows of a dollar twenty-eight, and now it's trading at five dollars seventy-four. That's you know, that's five dollars seventy-three, three hundred, four hundred percent profit. You know, but that's yeah, crazy. exactly. But reason you can't justify buying into a company that's made that kind of mistake, and you know, the value investors would be laughing at you if you kind of did this sort of trade and but that's the thing though it comes back into the thing that i was talking about earlier with stocks going up a thousand percent it's just this um robin hood it's this um sort of young investors and these new beginners coming onto the market for the first time in a while thinking that i don't know they know they've got just this massive appetite of risk and they've um, certainly got a lot of cash as well there's a statistic yeah. out of the us where a lot of stimulus money is just going straight to the markets too so yeah. they've had yeah. the cash to play with because it's it's free. It's not free money, essentially, but it is. It's new money that they haven't. Uh, that they've all of a sudden found. Yeah, and they're and giving it a go. Yeah, it's. Uh, it definitely, but it's probably the worst time I'd imagine to sort of really be learning because the market's just crazy, just so volatile. They have these kind of, you know, stories, and I guess it's now kind of, kind of. I mean, the volatility is much less now than what it was in say March, but you know, it's just not sort of starting. I mean, I couldn't imagine starting out in nah. that kind of market. 
Exactly, um, I couldn't do that either. Although yeah. you said, although you mentioned volatility is low, but the VIX is still trading above thirty. Yeah, uh, which is <laughs> which is still, which is exceptionally high. For, yeah. So the index, the VIX index, averages yeah, about fifteen, and it's yeah. never gone below twenty-four. So we really haven't left volatile True. times. Well, yeah, it's funny I said that because I, I think it's just become it's sort of grown on me. I've kind of just become um, desensitized to it. I, I'd, I'd imagine just kind of used to these kind of big swings or sort of uh you know i mean you never used to have the market up one and a half two percent that was a rare occurrence um now that kind of is just a common thing you know market go up one percent two percent and go down two percent no one really bets an eye at the moment so yeah exactly it it is interesting to go there now oil market's been a big thing that i've spoken about um and we've spoken about in these last sort of you know segments that we've done with um with unit macquarie but there's another market we've kind of missed and not really spoken about, but it's actually going to become really big importance, especially in the Australia. It's the natural gas market. And Hader, you got some you got some thoughts on that? Yes, the natural gas market's a big market for Australia. We overtook Qatar last year yeah. actually to uh, be the highest producer of natural gas in the world. Uh, it's a big, uh, big industry here, growing as well very quickly. And yeah, no. the natural gas price is falling and falling on the back of uh, lower use now. Mm. Coronavirus has obviously reduced oil oil consumption, uh, but lower electricity usage is also having an impact on natural gas and the natural gas stocks as well. Yeah, it definitely is a you know sort of a, a big story that I guess it, it isn't getting as much coverage as sort of the oil does because the oil is so I don't know um, popular and everyone knows about Brent crude and or, or US crude and everyone knows about you know sort of what's going on and and everyone focuses also about petrol prices but no one really even sort of thinks about natural gas so it's sort of in, in my experience it's sort of not spoken about as much but it is interesting that um it's come to come to light um in recent times and especially australia is important saying you know now we've eclipsed qatar in 2019 um and now- yeah and the price is now fallen below it's constantly been falling it's now below uh two dollars and wow. it's exp- and highly unlikely that we're going to see another debacle like we saw with the oil situation where it went into negative territory. But it's uh, a possibility. But it's a possibility because natural gas is not only uh, raw raw pr- uh, production, but it's also a byproduct of oil production. Mm. And if oil production continues to start increasing, we could see ink higher and higher uh, natural gas uh, output. And it could lead to increased storage because we're already starting to reach our estimated capacity. Mm. We're, we're heading towards it. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out now as well. Yeah. And, and it is interesting that you talked about the storage because that is also, you know, that was, that's been a big issue. It's like, well, we'll buy the, the commodity cheap, but it's like, when are we going to use it? Because the reason why it's cheap is because there's no demand. But, you know, when are we actually going to use it? And it's also sort of definitely being discussed about in... Um, sort of these markets um, and it's definitely a big issue um, to come in for the next couple of weeks and, and, and months going into the future. Um, I guess sort of now the other things that we wanted to discuss, I wanted to talk about something, Hayda, and, and we didn't really um, plan for this, but uh, something that, that's kind of caught my eye today, it was uh, the defence spending. Um, by the Australian government, sort of the statistics came out today, and there's been an increase um, in defence spending. Not nothing too um, crazy, but it's something. It's something definitely to acknowledge. It's an interesting move from the Australian government in terms of um, budget allocation. But 
there has been some good finance stories uh, for this. Uh, a couple of stock, uh, well, a particular stock that we uh, did an interview, Drone Shield, uh, was a big one the other day. It's up 12% um, for the day on, on the news. And another stock, EOS, um, which is another big sort of um, techie defense tech stock um, in Australia, is also up around about 13%. Um, so definitely, definitely something to look at. Do you think that these kind of um, budget decisions are actually going to play um, importance to stocks? Or do you reckon it's more sort of other themes are going to be um, dominant in this sort of field? Or do you actually think that sort of um, budget allocation is going to increase the value of these companies? It's an interesting. It's an interesting development. I mean, two hundred seventy billion. It's it's it's. I mean, it's it's a billion. It's got billion in front of it, so it's a big <laughs> number. But it's uh, in terms of defence spending, it's not. Uh, it's not overly uh, large, I suppose, mm. in that sense. But uh, I think right now it just seems uh, globally, it's just spend, spend, spend. It doesn't really matter where we spend it if it's worth the spending, if it's going to the right places. Even yeah. I mean, there's, there's reports out with. Uh, some some of the JobKeeper subsidies aren't going to hmm. a- areas where people need it most, even. So, oh, that's definitely been an issue. You know, it's like, cer- um, certainly an issue where the money is going and how the impact, uh, how it's going to have an impact on the economy. We'll have to wait and see. I suppose the other problem is becoming if we we, we a lot of money is going to the consumer, but it's not really going back into the economy. It's just hmm. going into paying down debt. So yeah, it is interesting that we see that, and you know, and a lot of people are actually entering the market as well is is interesting. Um, you know, when you kind of want this money to be going into um, discretionary spending, things like that. But I, I think I think there'll be one, and it'll be interesting to see what happens um, the end of JobKeeper. It'll be interesting to see if JobSeeker's cut back um, to its sort of uh, pre-COVID levels as well. Um, well, there's talk about job job seeker actually staying at a higher level, not yeah, certainly not at the level it's at right now, because it's very think, very high. Yeah, definitely, I think financially is smart because you've got this um really good spending, and you can sort of um increase. I mean, because COVID's going to go on for a bit, and I think there's there'll be necess- there'll be the need to sort of keep the spending um for. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of businesses that need, especially small businesses, to have these sort of customers and sort of buy more niche products. I think it's going to be something to discuss. Um, I guess now something that is really big to talk about is just where do we go from here? You reckon? Like, let's um, talk about the future of, of the market. The second wave of COVID nineteen. Do you reckon it's going to be? Is it going to hit the hit the ground running, or do you think it's kind of um, the media is sort of overhyping it at the moment? I think I think in Australia, I, I think we'll have it under control within the next few months. I think the, I so. Scott, Scott, well, Scott Morrison's actually put out, uh, uh, urged the other states to take over with the uh, hotel quarantining. Because mm. okay. uh, right now, Victoria, New South Wales is picking up the slack for Victoria and we've yeah. it's just been New South Wales and Victoria so far. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. The other states are probably going to want to push back on that. Yeah, definitely. certainly not not worth having the risk uh, having having it in your state. You don't want it in your state, just like we don't want it in our country completely. Yeah, but I, I think, think in the US, it's going to be very hard for them to really move anywhere because you went into lockdown. They've sort of started to lift it. Everyone wants to go back out again. I've, we've certainly seen that here in Sydney. I've noticed it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everyone's everyone's been at it about it again. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they'll be able to lock down again. Well, it's crazy because actually I, I, I was reading something the other day that um, Americans uh, have actually been banned from 
majority of uh, European countries when um, travel restrictions are lifted. And that's pretty pretty nuts, though, that we um, have gotten to this stage, that the US has gotten to this stage where it's so bad that, um, you know, they're sort of putting a blanket ban on, on, you know, tourism and travel from people from the United States. And I think it's going to be something that um, is going to plague the question in Australia as well. If determining on the market, though, uh, in the US, you know, when you've got 50,000 cases, I mean, but the market's just going up and up and up and up. I just, I don't understand where we go from here. Uh, you know, if there's going to be some kind of um, shorting going on, I just feel like the exuberance is sort of um, taking a frenzy at the moment to investors. And, and I'm I'm personally, you know, eyeing up, you know, do you go buy the B-Bus um, in a, in short the US market? I think it's definitely a discussion with a lot of uh you know, investors at the moment, but it's not that easy to go and make that kind of call. But you, where are you leaning well, at the moment? Yeah, ex- exactly right. I was, I was, uh, I, I, I thought the fifty five hundred level was going to hold in, in on the ASX at least. Mm. Uh, fifty five hundred to fifty two hundred range. You were stuck in a, for a little bit. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking short, short at fifty five hundred. You got to sixty one fifty. So th- thank God I didn't do anything. Yeah, uh, I was happy to sit on the sideline and say I'm not going to fight the Fed or the RBA here. And I think that's where yeah. the that's where it seems to go right now because. As, so long as the so long as we keep printing money, I think uh, yeah. it's going to keep moving up. And I think we saw that last week, even as mm. you've noted, uh, the S and P five hundred really hasn't moved much. And you can see that the US balance sheet has been the leader of that because it's yeah. been on the decline in the last in the over the last week, especially. I think it was down about half a percent uh, yeah. with with the uh, Federal Reserve actually selling off so, or r- removing some assets. So yeah, I didn't I didn't actually know that. I didn't I didn't know that they were selling already. Or- I'm not sure. If- yeah, I'm not sure if they're selling or what's happened there quite, uh, quite yeah. but the, their asset balance has fallen slightly and I think that, that did translate into the market. So Yeah, well, I, I, I think, think it is interesting because, the, you know, you've you got this level of interference from the Fed and all this. And, you know, it's potentially very, it's a, it's a smart decision to help, you know, investors and asset prices. But from an investor perspective, if... Honestly, I I don't know how someone can defend a bull kind of market, like sort of claim that it's a bull market. I just without mentioning the Fed, at least there's yeah, certainly no way you can mention just, bull market. Yeah, it just seems um, so absurd, um, and I don't know, a little bit sort of conflicted in in, in interest in that kind of aspect that uh, you can have so many cases and so much struggle in the US, but sort of put a blind eye to it i think it's something that's going to be um asked again and um you know definitely will be a thing for markets you know where, where we go hitting you know the most overvalued stocks in 20 years um you know it's totally, it, it's, the overvaluing is coming from the junk stocks though as well it's yeah. quite interesting i saw uh, there was a research group in the uk put together a portfolio of junk stocks yeah compared to the msci uh, us large caps and the us large cap since march was up 30 percent and yeah. the junk stocks in a equal weighted portfolio was up. It was somewhere about two thousand, I think, percent. <laughs> so it's something absolutely crazy, um, and it's just taken off. But I think I, I, I will have to actually disagree with you on the uh, on the Federal Reserve's um, actions. I, I I personally disagree with them printing money to sustain mm. asset prices. Oh. It's certainly it's causing. I think 
it's I, I don't think it's even an argument anymore that in, uh, income inequality is, or wealth inequality is certainly being driven quite yeah. strongly by it. Uh, it was interesting actually Deutsche Bank put together a statistic showing um, they, they took a ratio of how to measure zombie companies and they said mm. that companies that have earnings of less uh, net income of less than their interest expense mm. were going to be classified as a zombie company and in 1990s it was about half a percent which is obviously we can expect there'll be some companies on the way out and some companies on the way in growing their revenues mm. but right now in the US it's at it's at 20% and it's just yeah. following a trend from Japan where now Japan owns, the Bank of Japan owns 80% of uh, bonds, corporate bonds. And that's, yeah. I think, the path we're going to head down shortly yeah. as well. And, oh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't um, sort of being um, pro the, the Fed. I, I don't know where I sit with it. I guess I'm neutral because, you know, it, 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 it will benefit the market in some kind of respect. But, you know, yeah, it's a little bit... Um, Personally, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I don't know. Sit well in my investor mindset because I'm thinking, you know, well, I, you know, I had a short position in February and then sold when the sort of the Fed gets involved, and then it's like, you know, but then I'm like, well, yeah, this might be a, you know, two three week rally, and then I'll get back in, and then you know, then it goes on for, you know, what well, it was in March, and now we're in July, so it's yeah, pretty crazy. I actually have forgotten. Um, one story that we we're gonna, I'm gonna finish up on. Um, firstly, um, happy financial year for, for everyone out there as well listening to this um, podcast. Yeah, it's, may the ga- may the gains be great this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing we didn't talk about, and it's actually something that I'm actually pretty excited about, is TPG. Now, TPG today has finally um, completed their merge with um, Vodafone. And is now trading on the uh, stock market or the ASX market as TPG instead of TPM. I mean, no brainer there. Um, but it's it's a, it's a really good move, um, and I think that it's going to be sort of a big thing that people are going to talk about. It's sort of been um, under the microscope because they've done it um, not discreetly, but I guess no one's really talking about it. But I think it's actually going to be something that um, a lot of people are going to be talking about come mid July because it's just a really good um, growth position there. And definitely going to be a competitor to, you know, likes of Optus and, and Telstra in the telecommunications market in Australia. I, for one, am bullish, but um, you know, I won't let my judgment cloud yours. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on, on sort of what's going on there? Well, yeah, it's it's finally common sense that they've actually got the TPG ticker. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. TTM. I mean, I, I'm not sure how that one came up, especially if it was free. I don't know why it wasn't uh, taken. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's now in use. And um, I, I didn't know, I didn't actually realize that until today. It's yeah. been trading for two days as TP, uh, TPG yeah. finally now. Yeah, um, I mean, haven't traded much, but yeah, it's um, it's been a long road quite, for them. It's yeah. been a long road for this you know merger to happen. It's been I, about a year in the making. I remember. I, got a, I got a funny story. It was um, it was my birthday that they uh, you know they had the big news and they were running up 20% per day you know from this run from $6 to $9 at one stage and it was massive and I, and I was actually a shareholder um, at, at, during this time and um, you know and I remember on my on my birthday um, they sort of had the the I was you know really happy I was having a great day and then in the morning um, I was at, I was um, 
looking at the news and, and it was that um, the ACCC was going to decline the merger. And I remember my heart sank because you got the stock prices gone from $9 and it goes to, you know, it goes down 30, almost 40% in one day. And you're thinking, oh, this is, this sucks. And then of course they um, went into the court decision and then, you know, after two years or 18 months, now they finally get um, the merger in play. But it just, uh, yeah, it was funny that it had to come on my birthday that that ACCC thing came in and it was just, it was not good timing. I'll, and, it was, uh, and it was quite I'll strange say. as well during the day because I remember looking back and I saw it was, uh, the release came out at 3.47. So it was during the trading hours as well. So it's interesting that it weren't put on um, trading halt either. Yeah. And I just, I was watching, I was looking through the chart after market closed that day and I stumbled over it. I saw <laughs> it's down 40%. I looked at the chart. I thought, oh, it must have fallen early in the day. Oh, but no, was. it was at 3.45 when it uh, yeah. fell. So imagine being a shareholder sitting there with 15 minutes to go. It would was... be a nasty <laughs> surprise to go into the evening. Yeah, definitely. Well, no, it's it's definitely a, a good news story probably on the Australian market and definitely something to watch um, come the next couple of weeks and I'll definitely be watching that. Well, thanks so much um, for your time today, Hedda, and I'm really glad we got to pull this off and definitely stay tuned for the next um, couple of weeks because these kind of episodes will become um, more sort of common as uh, our, our updates on the market. But Thanks for, for listening and, and thanks again um, for being here, Ada. Yeah, thank you for having me. Look forward to continuing forward with this. Me too. I'm, I'm very excited. Well, again, thanks for just tuning in, everyone, and all the best. Have a great day. Bye for now.